Welcome to Heard at Heritage. Heard at Heritage features cutting-edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement, as well as premier events and programming from the Heritage Foundation here in the heart of Washington, D.C., brought straight to you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our program, Achieving the American Dream. John Katsimatidis shares lessons learned. Please welcome Dr. Kevin Roberts, president of the Heritage Foundation. Thank you, and thanks so much for being here, and uh, sorry for being a little late. You know, that's what happens when you have some talkative New Yorkers in the headquarters of the Heritage Foundation, which is a way of saying we're glad they're here because they're, they're real. They've brought a heavy dose of authenticity to the imperial city of Washington. And so here at Heritage, we host a lot of events. Many, if not most of those events involve political leaders and we're grateful for those men and women, but we're really grateful for what we call the everyday American. And I will, of course, or could take a long time in introducing our our guest, John Katsimatidis. But in fact, we're gonna have a conversation here that will tell you about him. This is the point. For someone who calls himself in his new book, How Far Do You Want to Go? Lessons from a Common Sense Billionaire. He is an everyday guy who is living the American dream. And so please join me in welcoming John to the stage. My newest friend, John, welcome. Have a seat, please. Indeed. So uh, we were just in our studio recording my weekly show, which was a lot of fun. I think we probably could have taken a couple of hours because uh, I, I, you didn't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> That's not true. My wife yelled at me. I said, I, need, I didn't allow, allow you to get a word no. in edgewise. The whole point of the show is for the guests, but all of that to say, thanks for being here. And for people who may not be familiar with you, I'm going to ask you the same question I did about an hour ago, and that is, Tell us your story. Here you are sitting on the stage of the Heritage Foundation. You are one of the most successful businessmen in America over a couple of generations. And you are so grateful for that. Tell us how and why that happened. Wow. Um, I'm an immigrant. 30 seconds. I'm an immigrant. Uh, My uh, uh, two grandfathers came from uh, the other side of the big pond. Uh, my mother's grandfather, uh, my mother's father came from Constantinople. Uh, it was a Greek city that the Ottoman Empire destroyed and made sure everybody moved out. Uh, I think they're down to like 3,000 families now from 3 million. Uh, my, my father's uh, father from uh, the island of Nisiros, the 12 islands along the Turkish coast. Uh, and... Um, uh, they came, both grandfathers came to America. I guess there was a big influx of uh, Europeans in 1913 looking for the streets paved with gold. And uh, the joke I told uh, was, well, it took me over 100 years to find them. Uh, but uh, uh, they, they worked hard. And one of the things that happened to my uh, father's father, he came in 1913, but he died. And his name was John Katsimatidis. He died in the pandemic of 1918. So when, when we had the pandemic, I said, my God, am I destined to 
to die too. And you know, you you, you got you think about it. Uh, and uh, knock wood, we all uh, uh, made it, and everybody in this room made it. And, uh, and God bless America. And uh, uh, one of the things is uh, someday uh, we'll find out where that uh, virus actually came from. We have a pretty good idea at the Heritage Foundation. Where I, I don't think we know the truth. I don't, I don't think we know the truth. I think, uh, I think um, was it, you know, somebody has been talking about lately uh, that the next war, I forgot who I interviewed. Uh, you know, uh, I, I have a new hobby. I own WABC Radio. And I work harder today than I did 10 years ago. And uh, uh, I, I, must, I interview 20, 30 people a week. And I forget. But the next world war could be from, from viruses. And maybe that was the beginning of a world war. Uh, and uh, there's something... We used to say something's rotten in Denmark. We don't say that anymore. Something's rotten in Washington. Yeah, that's, that's true. Let's, let's, of course, pray there isn't a world war of any kind, but especially one like you described. But if there is, that Anthony Fauci's in jail somewhere. Yeah. And there's a, you know, there's a, co there's a possible bio biological war that's going to happen. Uh, I don't think it will be a nuclear war. The other war that's going on right now, and I'm on, uh, I'm on Fox News and Fox Business almost every week or every other week, is an economic war with oil. America, when President Trump was there, America had uh, $55 um, uh, oil, and interest rates were at 2%. And I'm the only one yelling and screaming about it, the reason for inflation. Uh, is because of what happened with the price of oil. President Biden was, the first day he was in office, cuts down the, the, the pipeline uh, and makes uh, oil the enemy of the people. And North America has 100 years worth of oil, not counting the Arctic Ocean. Uh, so immediately what happens is the oil went from 55 up to 110, 115, 120. So what happens? You know what I said to President Biden's friends and people? I said, you took a, the price of food went up. The price of gasoline went up. Everything, there's so many things made of oil. So what happens? A trillion, I said to President Biden, I said, you made the poor people poorer and you made the middle class poorer. You know, you took a trillion dollars, a trillion dollars worth of wealth from North America, and guess where it went? It went to Russia, and it went to the OPEC nations. And, hey, that is the economic war, the economic world war of 2022-23. And Larry Kudlow, who works with us at WABC, as well as works for, for Fox Business, I have dinner with him at least once or twice uh, a month, finally said to me, John, you've been right all along. He finally said it because he was he talking to me and Steve Moore, who works with us, and he, we were all talking about uh, uh, we're spending too much money. Well, we don't agree on that. We, we are. But... 
Let me tell you the facts of life. The reason you have a $31 trillion deficit is because the world trusts the American dollar. That's the reason. And you can have a $40 million deficit because they have no place else to put their money. You're not going to put it in any other, any place else. But, but just because if it's there's possible, a loss of confidence, right? no. But if there's a loss of confidence, yes, in Washington, guess what? We're going to have the 1930s all over. Again. Yeah, unfortunately. And right now, what my biggest uh, uh, fear of President Biden is not having the confidence of the world leaders. Saudi Arabia, the biggest, the biggest uh, supporter of the United States of America, hates the White House. Uh, they've even aligned themselves with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, China. I mean, give me a break. But see, John, the president of the United States hates our closest ally over the last century and a half, Great Britain. He which hates is, the United which is dumb. It's crazy. Dumb. So let me ask you this question. This is at Heritage, what we call the magic wand question. So in your book, which I will say is fantastic, I just finished reading it this afternoon, and all of you will get a, a copy thereafter, or after the event. You write that you, you came to the United States at the age of six months, which means you can't run for president. So you're not here to make any announcements. I will start there. <clears throat> I, uh, I'm not making. I'm not running for president. The, the field is crowded. Unless enough. I find a place where you can get a, a new birth certificate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna leave that one alone. <laughs> so we need a few laughs. Yeah. You're uh, you're tempting me, um, but I'm gonna resist the temptation and ask you this question. Magic wand, let's say that you were eligible to be president, and let's say that you were elected. What are the two or three policies that you would change? And therefore, what are the two or three policy recommendations that you're going to make to whomever the conservative standard bearer is in 2024? Well, let me tell you, I know Donald Trump for 40 years, 45 years. I think he did a, a great job of keeping peace in the world. I like his story about what he told the Taliban. He gave him a picture of, picture of uh, his home. I said, he says, your, your family is here. Your kids are here. Make sure none of my soldiers die. Make, make sure there's no war. And guess what? Under President Trump's time, nobody died. Tremendous achievement. Tremendous, okay? You have to have courage. You have to have the courage to stand up. And one of my problems, I have a lot of Democratic friends, and the problem they have, they don't have the courage to stand up against their, the, the socialists that have overtaken the Democratic Party. And because there's a lot of them. Uh, Ed Cox, who, who a quasi-in-law, because uh, uh, is, New, is New York State chairman, my my uh, daughter married his son, and uh, they were a great couple. Um, what went wrong? I don't know. Uh, but they still love each other, I'm sure. They do. They're, a lot, they're together. I'm not touching that one either, John. Uh, <clears throat> but but um, the fact is, where were we? 
I don't know. Oh, you were president of the United States. Oh, I'm president of the United States. And I gave you a magic States. wand. Number I'm one. take it back. Have the courage to stand up, have common sense, and have courage. First of all, I was also chairman, or no, vice chairman, of the Ellis Island Foundation. Guess what? Ellis Island, the people that ran it, we had common sense. We want you to come through to America, but we don't want you to have any diseases. We don't want you to be a terrorist. We don't want you to be, you know, we want you to come here because you love America and you want to be an American. Okay? And that's what we want. I am pro-immigration. I, I, I don't like Republicans, and I teach them better, that say, oh, it's illegal. Well, nobody gives a crap it's illegal. You want people that want to come here, that are going to love America, they're not terrorists. You're not, you know, you put the condition on it. And, I, you know, and I've said to a lot of people, Along the, the, uh, along the Texas co coast, along the Arizona coast, the, along the uh, New Mexico coast. Let's put four or five Ellis Islands type situations. But it has to be checks and balances. You have to check and see who is coming here. The, the Venezuela is emptying out their jails and sending them to us. I mean, it, it, you know, you want to cry. I, you know, I tell my Democratic friends, I said, what, what, what is President Biden up to? In, in Afghanistan, in Korea, in Vietnam, we lost over about 100,000, 110,000 soldiers. In the last 12 months, from fentanyl, from the Chinese gangs, from the Mexican gangs, we lost 107, 112,000 Americans in one year. Most of them under the age of 40. Give me a break. And nobody's doing it. We're under attack and nobody's doing anything about it. Secure our borders. Secure the fentanyl. <laughs> Stop the... My chief of staff is the former head of the FBI in New York. FBI, 99.9% .9 of them are doing a great job. But there's 400,000 Chinese students in our universities. And... You know how many FBI agents are assigned to watch those 400,000 students? 1,000. How do you do it? Impossible. Okay? And guess what? If you're a Chinese student here that the government of China paid Harvard or paid MIT to have you in there, guess what? And your parents are back home in China. They look at you and say, we need XYZ information. You don't give it to us, your parents are dead. And there's no checks and balances on that. They are feeding so much money to our universities. I, uh, you know, uh, I was on the board of the new school, which is a very liberal school, for a little while. And Bob Kerry, the senator, put me on there because we were good friends. And we had Tom Ridge over to speak about his new book. The, uh, the Homeland Security Director. And we brought him into an auditorium like this. The students wouldn't allow them to talk. Made noises, had uh, gongs, had, uh, had, and, and 
Bob Kerry was sitting there with me, the chancellor of the university. He couldn't do anything about it. I was going to get up and, throw, and, and pick up the, 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 the thing he had making noise, throw it out the window, but I figured I better stay calm. You know? That would have been fun I, to see, though. I, I tell jokes a lot sometimes, and, and they're half-truths. <laughs> we, we talk about, uh, we talk about uh, uh, the shoplifters in New York. Oh, CVS is closing up. Walgreens is, is closing up. Rite Aid is closing up. Because you know what we're in New York City right now? We're living under the law of the jungle. Either you learn to survive, or you're going to die. And uh, San Francisco is dead. 31% of the, the tolls are down to 31% on San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. Because there's nobody there. Chicago, dead. And I... Uh, uh, I talked to Governor Hochul the other day. I talked to, to Mayor Adams. And he's got almost 100,000 migrants came into New York. And they took, they're spending $10 million a day. I said, give me a break. Where's this money going to come from? There's a secret going on that nobody knows about yet, but I'm going to tell you, my audience. 484,000 New Yorkers have moved out of New York State. They haven't said anything yet. But the last 12 months, Tom DiNapoli, the controller, is going to be on my show next week. Tom DiNapoli, the controller, has said to me their revenues are down 20%. 20% on a $240 billion budget. That's $40 million. So okay. before you, you give us more to be worried about, let me let me ask you this question. Yeah, I'm your guest, so I go your direction. You're a New Yorker. I'm a Southerner. So it's all fine. But this this is the last question for me, and then we're going to turn it over to the audience. And that question is: if you look at the audience, John, a lot of young faces. In fact, we have a lot of our interns here for the summer, and they, I know. Thank you, Catherine. Are concerned that they hear the list of, of deplorable things that you mentioned, all of which are true. And then there are more. We all know there are more. And they're looking for what's in the title of, of this, this conversation, which is the American. What advice do you have for them about how to conduct their lives, but also about the hopefulness you have for this country as they try to take stock, they try to digest this list of really challenging realities? We... We're coming up in an election in 2024, which is going to be the most important election of our lifetime. And we discussed before, uh, 2026 is the 250th year anniversary of our country. 2076 is the 300th year. I'm afraid we're not going to make it to 300 unless we start worrying about it right now. And, you know, it's Venezuela, the wealthiest country in South America, in 20 years, from the wealthiest country in South America, number one, is just as bad as Cuba now. They're broke. Their, America is under attack. The Chinese have 100 million members of the Communist Party. 
they all have a mission. You know, the same way I said you had 400,000 students and only 1,000 FBI people? We don't have enough people to watch what we have. The Greeks have an old expression. That my, you have to have 14 eyes. Matia de Katesera. 14 eyes. And we have to watch out for our country. Our city, our states, our country. And who is undermining it? I love America. And you know who you find? American immigrants love America sometimes more than the people who are born here. Immigrants from Venezuela, Cuba, you know why the Democratic Party doesn't want them uh, in the United States? Because they know what socialism is like. They know what communism is like. We take a lot for granted, don't we? We take a lot for granted. Thanks for that answer. So let's do this. We're going to go to the audience. There are, I have a couple of colleagues with microphones. If you have a question for John, we, we do have a little bit of time for, for questions. Raise your hand. Wait for the mic to come around so those people who've joined us via live stream, of whom there are many, can hear. So first question right here. Mic is coming your way. Just raise your hand again. Yes. Thanks, Tyler. So with your work over the last several decades, you didn't need to go into radio. You could have had all kinds of people go and do radio for you, yet you choose to spend a ton of your effort and your time constantly going on air and fighting and getting the message out. What keeps driving you back onto the air when so many others might say that, you know, you should be assigning other people to do that? Well, I was an entrepreneur. You know, an entrepreneur is a, a constant reinventor, a constant creator. You want to be successful in life, you've got to keep creating. And in, when I look at people that say they want to retire, I said, people that retire die. You know who I look at as one of my mentors? Uh, I'm good friends with him. Uh, Hank Greenberg used to be AIG, now he calls it. He's, at 92 years old, he took uh, the old Citibank office on Park Avenue and recreated an office for himself. He's 97, 98 years old right now, and guess what? He goes to work three, four days a week. There's got to be a reason for living. If our creator has programmed us that there's no reason for living, you die. Okay? You want to work three days a week? Guess what? You're not going to be successful. That's a lot of crap. Okay? People that, that, that human beings, our creator has put us there to, to create, to envision, to, 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 to teach. And my mission is to stay alive as long as I can. And you know, I was one of my mentors, and I was very disappointed he passed away. Bob Morgenthau, the district attorney in New York, the Morgenthau family. He, you know, he taught me how to take care of the kids of the inner city, the police athletic league. We had 40,000 kids we used to take care of because the inner city, they are going down the wrong roads. And Bob Morgenthau lived and worked. He was 99 years old, 99 and 10 months. 
I was disappointed he didn't make it to Hall. It's a great, great model. And Hank Greenberg, 98 years old. Uh, I, I was at J.P. Morgan last week. Uh, who, uh, oh, I forget his name. How could I forget his name? He used to work for Bear Stearns, and, and now he's at J.P. Morgan. He's 95 years old. Who? Not Ace Greenberg. No, no, no. I'm talking about uh, John Rosenwald. John Rosenwald, 95 years old, still goes to work. Okay? Hey. So for the 20-or-something-olds in the, in the audience, <clears throat> you know Social Security is not going to be there for you. So keep working hard. Thanks for that response. Let's take another question from the audience. Uh, Colin, I think I saw you over there. Let's go to the gentleman nearest you there. Hi, Peter Roth with Newsweek. You serious about buying CNN? Let me tell you I've got something. Questions for you. I, <laughs> I, I am disappointed. Uh, look, Ted Turner started CNN what was it, forty years ago, and look, I didn't agree with everything Ted Turner did, uh, but he did a great job. CNN is in one hundred and eighty-five countries. And do you think the 185 countries are getting the right news? That's the only news they're getting from America in those 185 countries. Uh, my mission is to make a difference in the world. I made a difference with WABC, the most powerful radio station on the East Coast. I bought it from Cumulus. It was number 28. It's now in the top two or three. And... You know what I do? My, my instructions to my people, to my reporters, because I help run the news department in my spare time, <laughs> is tell the truth. That's all I want. Tell the truth. And don't skew the truth. I'll give you a, can I give an example? Do we have time? I'll give you an example. One of, my, uh, uh, one of the people we hired skewed the truth. How did he skew the truth? When President, you know, I'm in the oil business, when President Trump was elected, I think the production, I'm going to give you estimates, I don't remember the numbers. The production of our oil in North America was like 11 million barrels a day, 11, 12. And we were up to 13.1. And then you know what happened when President Biden went down. Boom. So you know what this reporter did? He skewed the truth. And that made me angry. I, re I, I left the house and I went into the studio. He says, you know, don't forget what Trump started, about 11 million. The average of the four years of Trump, we're producing more now. We were down to maybe 12 and a half, but he skewed the truth by taking the average of the 13, of, of where he started at 11 and where it was at 13.1 at 13 on his last day took the average and just saying, oh, we're, we're at 13.1 when, when Trump left office and we're down to 12.5. He didn't say that. The average of between 12.1 and 11 is lower than we're producing today. This, this is a trick they do all the time, right? I, damn. You, you have one of my reporters do that. I'll slit his throat at Macy's window. Oh. Well, there's... Hey, you know why I say that? I will never stab anybody in the back. I, uh, by slitting the throat in Macy's window is that he'll, he'll, the person, he or she will know that the person was wrong 
And that's why you're paying for it. You know, John, if the leftist media already didn't hate you and the Heritage Foundation enough, I think you have probably, dare I say, poured salt in the wounds. No. What? Let's just say we're under confidentiality. Awesome. We'll go to a new question. We'll go to this side. There's a lady all the way in the back. By the way, I don't. I, I, the deal is, I don't necessarily have to buy it. I tell them I work for one dollar a year, and I'll take them for four hundred thousand listeners. I'll take them up to two million, and we can share the upside. Yeah, just keep, okay. keep the knife. Keep the knives in your pocket. Okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Hi, my name is Jackie Saxstein. I've had the pleasure of meeting your daughter at several Young Republican events uh, across the country. So I wanted to know what values have you instilled in your children to help make them so successful. I love my children. Some people send their kids away to Boise, Idaho, Seattle. I gave my children a choice of going to any, any college they wanted in New York. And now, in the building we live in, you all saw my big fat Greek wedding. In the building we live in, me and Margo are on the 14th floor. My daughter's on the fourth floor. My son's on the second floor. I believe in keeping my children close because I want to give them a hug every day. And I look like, you would give them their privacy, but I love them, and I want to give them a hug every day. What a beautiful response. Thanks for that, John. Yes, ma'am. Yes, indeed. Get a good one. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be here, sir. And, um, you know, George Washington was British when he was our first president, so I would like to see you run for president. We need <laughs> and if you want, I ran if you for want, mayor. But maybe you would take Secretary of State or something like that. I well, I want to do the right thing for our country, our city, our state. I ran for mayor in May in, in uh, 2013, and uh, I was running as a Republican liberal, just like Rudy Giuliani did, because this is New York City, guys. We have some of those in Washington, too. I know. Uh, and uh, John Lindsay ran as a Republican liberal, uh, Rudy Giuliani. And the problem I had, I was learning about politics. Uh, I spent $12 million of my own money running, and $12 million uh, 10 years ago was a lot of money. Uh, I mean, monies have gone way crazy. Uh, but I made a mistake because Rudy Giuliani, who works for WABC now, um, Rudy Giuliani supported Joe Loda, his deputy mayor. And Joe Loda is a very fine person. But I always said to him, he's not a number one guy. He's not a, you know, he's the greatest number two guy you could find. So instead of, you know, if I would have gone to Rudy and say, for the last six months before the election, I'll give you a hundred thousand a month. Work for me. I would have won the primary. The lesson of that. Thanks for that response. We take one more question. Come to the gentleman here, Colin. I think you're there. Hi, my name is Peter Summer with Capital Intel BBN. Um, this is um, coming from your um, Curtis Silva, the founder of Guardian Angels. Curtis Silva. Silva, yes. He's certifiable. And what happened is one of the biggest economic disparities we have is food deserts in 
inner cities. And they said that you will be looking at opening a Gracides in West Baltimore with Doc Cheatham. Uh, one third of Baltimoreans don't have access to a food market. It is a big problem in you know, Baltimore. They're going to be shutting they're, down. They're not going to have access to drugstores either. Yeah. But would you be willing to open in Gristides in uh, Baltimore? You got the Kroger-Albertson merger, so they're going to have to sell those supermarkets anyway. And there's tax benefits, and it's a way to get back. We had we had 200 stores at one time. I'm the one that gave Ron Perlman uh, the money for Pantry Pride in Florida to buy Revlon. I uh, we had Grand Unions. Uh, in Florida, we had Pantry Pride in Florida. Uh, we had uh, Gristides, uh, Sloan's. We had 200 stores at one time. We're down to 29. Rite Aid closed every store in New York. Walgreens is closing 90 more stores in New York. Retail is not good. So, uh, I'm not opening any more stores. You know, it's just, uh, I worry about my employees. They, they killed an employee in, uh, where was it, CVS last week or something, or Walgreens? Uh, they, things are out of control. We are living in New York City under the law of the jungle. So if you, not, if you are not capable of living under the law of the jungle, and your employees, and you, you, did you see what Walgreens did? Was it Walgreens? They fired one of the employees for chasing a shoplifter. Short that stock. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, when you have dumb CEOs like that that don't know how to run companies, short the stock. You know, we can go into, we can do this for three hours, four hours. Absolutely can. Uh, you know, General Motors. You know, they want to go all electric by 1930? Short the stock. <laughs> they want to get rid of AM radios? Short the stock. You know, I, I, I uh, took on Ford, Mr. Farley, in the newspapers, on t radio, on television, and he was going to get rid of all AM radios, which is part of our national defense system. Now, who knows if the Chinese are paying for that? Uh, and I took a, a full-page ad in the New York Post, the number before paper in the country. And you know what it said? Something like, like uh, you see what happened to Target? You see what happened to Anheuser-Busch? Does the Ford family want to lose $14 billion in net worth? Guess what? He surrendered within 24 hours. Thank you. You need people with courage to do the challenging, but do it in a common sense way. Do it in, in such a way where, where you, you know what I learned? I learned by being in the grocery business, because in the grocery business, you have to make 80% of your customers happy. Otherwise, you know what happens? You go bankrupt. Okay? So... When you run for office, how about making 70 or 80% of the people you talk to about subjects? Let them agree with you. Because if you handle it the right way, the, Reagan, the old Reagan Democrats, the old Reagan Democrats, 
will agree with you on most of the things. And you know why Kevin McCarthy is the majority leader? WABC, one of the reasons. We won 11 congressional seats in New York State. And you know what my bugle was? Safety in our streets. Vote for safe streets. Even the Democrats, the common sense Democrats voted that way. So much so Lee Zeldin was almost your governor. Lee Zeldin made a few mistakes. He's a good guy. I supported him, but he made a few mistakes. But being a businessman and having 7,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 employees, I do contribute to Governor Hope. Why? My 7,000 employees depend on me for a job. So you better, you better not, the governor of your state, the attorney general of your state, better not think you're the enemy of the people. You see what happened to Donald. I mean, I know him for 45 years. He's, he's a smart guy. He's a good guy. He was a good president. He may be president again. But he has to know how to handle the other side of the equation. A lot of lessons from you today, and we've had a lot of fun as well. And we're here in Washington where there isn't enough fun that happens. Thank you for that. And, and I just want to ask all of you in the audience in a moment to join me in congratulating John. But let me give you a little bit of housekeeping. So on the rooftop is where you can visit John shortly. And I can tell you that it's a lot cooler than when you came into the building because it's a dry heat. You know, being an adopted Texan, I can tell you these dry hot He's days are just terrific. So it's it's a great place to feel younger, to summon some courage, and to meet some new friends and and visit with John. And so we'll do that if you would. When whenever this concludes, head directly up to the rooftop. My colleagues will help you up there, and you'll have a great time. But most importantly, John, you are a national treasure, and thank you for being here today. God bless you. Thank you for having me. Thank you.